Cartoons are powerful. They have always been much, much more powerful in, in a lot of ways, because you can do with cartoons what you cannot do with photographs. Cartoons have always been in, infinitely more dangerous. Welcome to Fearless, the intersection of faith, family, and filmmaking, a show where we share our journey of what the Lord has called us to in this season of life. We started a 501c3 nonprofit filmmaking ministry, Fearless Features, to create tools for churches, organizations, groups, or individuals to use to educate, motivate, and inspire others to get involved in the tough subjects affecting our society and culture today. We're a husband and wife filmmaking team who believes the Bible is the infallible, inherent word of God, and we're on a mission to share truth and take a stand for biblical principles. Thank you for joining us on this journey. I'm your co-host, Amber Archer, and with me, as usual, is my husband, Mark Archer. Here I am. Here you are. Ready for some more Judith today. Welcome to the show. So if you're new or, or have missed the previous interview that we've shared with Dr. Judith Reisman, you'll want to be sure to go back and listen to those. You can find all the archives at fearlessfeatures.org. But today, so why don't you give everybody, we're, this is part four mm-hmm. with Dr. Judith Reisman. Yes. And why don't you kind of fill people in if you're new or have missed some of the previous episodes? Why did we interview Judith? Well, Dr. Judith Reisman is where you have to start. If you're going to talk about the sexualization of our children, you have to talk about the sexualization of our culture. And that goes back to a man named Alfred Kinsey in an organization called the Rockefeller Foundation and even our own U.S. government through the CIA. Mm-hmm. And it all goes to the the one person who has spent the most time on this, over 40 years of her life, that she has spent researching this. And she has written more than I think anyone else on this subject mm-hmm. is Dr. Judith Reisman. Right. She's the nation's lead researcher in Alfred Kinsey and the sexualization of children. Mm-hmm. So she was she was one of our very first interviews. In fact, it was reading one of her reports uh, that really, I think, really triggered us to start the Mind Polluters because mm-hmm. I read through it and I, I remember I spent a couple days reading it and it was just so thorough and I just said, this is what this film needs to be. Mm-hmm. And The Mind Polluters is our new investigative documentary film. Mm-hmm. Um, we just released Inwood Drive. It was about the abortion, the abortionist here in our hometown who got shut down by just grassroots efforts. Yeah. Um, so to hold him accountable for the malpractice on, and, and crimes against women, not only women, but also their, the unborn. Um, but so we interviewed Dr. Reisman at the end of 2020 at the Reisman Institute in um, at Liberty University. Mm-hmm. Lynchburg, Virginia. Mm-hmm. And so that was a great time to be in because it's a part of the law school. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's right in the law library. Yeah. And you walk into her her office and it's it is its own library within the library. And it's it's all of her research. It's all of her research. I mean, truckloads. So everything that she's going to talk about today, and there is a massive amount of information that she's going to share today. Mm-hmm. Everything is documented. Everything has been um, well researched, thoroughly vetted, thoroughly vetted. Um, so when you hear her and if you guys have any questions, feel free to send us an email. 
we can get you whatever information, but you can also visit her website, uh, Dr. Judith Reisman. It's drjudithreisman.com. And I'll leave a link to it in the show notes for you guys. There's a couple of things that I wanted, wanted to say. One, going back to previous uh, episode uh, with Dr. Reisman, where she talks about where we have the, the snippet from the Donahue show. Last week's was that last week's, and I just want to I just want to remind people if you haven't listened to that, go back and listen to that and listen very carefully. You need to you need to listen to all of Judith, but keep in mind that on this snippet from the Donahue show is Alfred Kinsey's photographer who worked with Kinsey while Kinsey was writing these books that triggered the sexual revolution. Mm -hmm. Dr. Reisman was hammered and hammered and hammered for years for claiming that Kinsey used pedophiles in his research. And on this episode of the Donahue show, Kinsey's photographer admits to it. Mm Just admits, oh, yeah, sure, he used pedophiles for his research, but they were trained pedophiles. Right. And and what we were pointing out is that this is this is the whole point of what we've what we've uh, been researching for the mind polluters is that this entire everything that you're seeing in our culture. LGBTQ, the transsexual movement, the gay marriage, the 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 the, rampant pornography, all of it, it all traces back to this one man Mm -hmm. who was funded by the Rockefeller family Mm -hmm. to trigger this with these publications that were completely unscientific. Mm -hmm. And and Dr. Reisman has proven it. By pointing out the obvious of what he had in his own book, Mm -hmm. that he was torturing children as part of this research. And who was doing the torturing on his behalf? Trained pedophiles. Mm -hmm. It's Now, any of us as parents, I mean, because you've got kids, children, small children who are just a few months old, all the way up to, mm-hmm. I don't know, I think 16 was the oldest one I saw in the table, if I remember correctly. And we've got another, there's there's one more part with Judith right, so coming it's after this. this. This one and then the next one, and then we're, right. we're, we're done with Judith. But it's been a, it's been a thorough, deep dive mm-hmm. into everything that she knows. And it's fascinating today because we talk about cartoons and we talk about the traumatizing of children through the pornographic cartoons. It's And it's what's in the schools today. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what we're seeing. She also talks about, interestingly enough, how the black communities were stronger in their faith mm-hmm. and biblical values and traditions than the white communities. Mm-hmm. And I cannot wait to share that with you guys because it's, it's just fascinating to hear. She's got all of this research and documentation to prove all of this. Yeah. And it's interesting, too, because we were, we were listening to it. And if you go back a, a couple months and we did a, a whole podcast on uh, song lyrics and how yes. they're a reflection of the culture at the time. Yeah. And when we we're listening to her talk about that with the black community and I, I stopped and I said, think about uh, the the most profound uh, and meaningful, rich, rich 
spiritual songs mm -hmm. that come out of the the slavery times, the the black churches. Mm -hmm. um, Swing low, sweet chariot, mm -hmm. uh, amazing grace. You had a whole list of them. Yeah. And these songs that are so, so rich. And what is that a reflection of? It's a reflection of that culture mm -hmm. that even in those times of terrible oppression and slavery, that it carried through for a hundred plus years. Mm -hmm. And now those songs you barely hear anywhere. Mm -hmm. Now what do you hear? I don't even know how to describe what we hear in churches, if anything at all. Um, let's just look at the, the pop charts. Uh, do, anyway, that's for that was that was another discussion. That's another discussion. We'll have to <laughs> link back to that show. Yeah. There's one other thing I had to add to this before we listen to Judith mm -hmm. when she talks about cartoons and their power. Yeah. And she's talking talking about it in relation to the one book that we have specifically harped on called It's Perfectly Normal. Mm -hmm. That's in pretty much all of the school libraries. You can get it in most public libraries. It is a book that is written for ages 10 and up. Mm -hmm. It's cartoon pornography. Well, and she talks about how the cartoons and the pass that they get, that cartoons are there to dehumanize and the illustration is there to celebrate. Mm -hmm. And they get away with this stuff through the obscenity exemptions. That's mm -hmm. why we shared with you guys, you know, a, a few weeks ago about what we were doing and just going and documenting down in Indianapolis, um, over in Nebraska, you know, there are people trying to repeal these obscenity exemptions because they are so harmful and traumatizing our children. And I can speak from my own experience as a young boy growing up. I was uh, very much into comic books. And there was a point when even at that young age as a teenager, and I realized that a lot of the comic books, it wasn't so much the comic books that I was buying specifically. So I would read things like Iron Man and Spider-Man. Well, it's so, inter like that. it's so interesting that you just said that because um, I don't know if you just saw, I just read a headline where their Captain America in the comic book is oh, now yeah. going to be a, a transgender. Yeah, they've got an alternate gay Captain America now. Yeah, anyway, so I'm sorry, go ahead. But... Um, I realized that uh, even even at that age, that there was a lot of highly inappropriate material in those comic books mm -hmm. that I was buying. And that's when I think back, that's really, I think, where I first started being exposed as a young man to pornographic material. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't because I was trying to sneak out and buy Playboys. I, I wasn't that wasn't me. Mm -hmm. I was trying to read you know, superhero comic books. Yeah. And it was stuck in there as advertisements for other comic series. And and it came flooding back a few years ago when I started taking our two oldest daughters. I said, hey, let's go to the comic book store. <laughs> yeah. And we went in and <laughs> we were looking for My Little Pony. Uh -huh. comic which, books, which we have. Which we, which we bought, which we found. <laughs> but I'm telling you, if you've never been into a comic book store, you can't hardly walk in there without seeing porn. Yeah. That, that's all. When they say graphic novels, they mean graphic yeah. novels. Yeah. And so just to, if you're a parent and your your children are into comic books, you have got to 
filter those. You need to go through them. Just like, isn't it sad? It's so like I think about everything, just this constant barrage yeah. that we have to continually be on hyper alert yeah. because it gets snuck in. It gets snuck in. At and, all and it, levels. And what Judith talks about is is what you said, is that it de, it dehumanizes it. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I look back and I think that's where it started for me mm-hmm. because it's it's very subtle and it normalizes it. Mm-hmm. And then when you then get exposed to the next thing and the next thing, you're, you've been preconditioned to yeah. it. Well, without further ado, let's listen in to part four of our interview with Dr. Judith Reisman. Cartoons are powerful. They have always been much, much more powerful in, in a lot of ways because you can do with cartoons what you cannot do with photographs, mm-hmm. both in terms of the way you structure the images, what you see, what you couldn't see with a photograph, impossible, mm-hmm. yeah? And what you can say, yeah. Cartoons have always been in- infinitely more dangerous. So you had cartoons about Arabs, you know, horrible people, Indians, mm-hmm. Chinese, women, during, oh, especially in, in uh, suffragette period, you know, women are with the hatchets and all that kind of stuff. No, cartoons. And during wars, I had a whole presentation. I did, ah, that's right. I did it for the FBI. Yeah. During wars, yeah, you'd have, but they'd have cartoons and illustrations. Illustrations are a lot different than the cartoon. The cartoon was there to dehumanize. The illustration would be there mostly to celebrate. So then there was a time frame. There's an important to, to be aware of the time frame because the time frame means something about the consumer. It takes time to get the consumer adjusted to what you're pushing in the cartoon. So you got 10 years before Penthouse, I mean, 15 years about before Penthouse shows up, right? Then from there, 10 years before Hustler shows. So it's shortening. You're conditioning them faster. You're bringing the, your people on board, yeah? So, so Penthouse. Then after Penthouse, all bets are off. Everything starts to flood. You got the small thing. They can't compete necessarily. You got Chick. Now, that was another one. Chick was a, a Playboy publication. Chick was a Playboy publication. But Chick always had tougher stuff. Younger girls, rougher cartoons, much more like the kind of thing the children get today in the schools, in sex education, right? In, we're being educated by these sex educators. Why? We have 17,000 children. AP did the study. Our government hasn't done anything. Our, our, our nonprofits have done nothing about gathering the statistics that would say what's been going on. 17,000 children sexually assaulting other children in school. In school in a couple, two, three years. Yeah, so it ended up less, you know, you divide it up. But these are reported. Reported. I'm talking about rape. 
I'm not talking about just um, bad words. Rape of other children, sodomy. I mean, it's all there in the graph from AP. Give them credit, man. Um, Sodomy, rape, object penetration. Now, this is all pornography. These kids are learning from the pornography. We are traumatizing generations. We've been traumatizing generations of children and, and more trauma, more trauma, more trauma. They can't deal with that. Their brains are not structured to deal with that. They, they can't speak to it. They have no words when they're looking at these, at these uh, uh, pornographic cartoons and it's perfectly normal, masturbating, masturbation, copulation, incest, uh, naked kids, naked adults. You're gro- they know what they're doing. They're grooming these children. That thing's been, that, that, pa- that booklet, sex education booklet, has been here for 10, 15 years. Millions of children, millions and it's in all our schools. It's in all our schools. Yeah. And it can be because the obscenity exemptions make it legal to show anything you want to the children in school. So even the states that don't have, I think there are five states that don't have the obscenity exemptions. Okay. What, what do I mean exempt? Okay. Obscenity is against the law. Absolutely. You cannot go out in the street. People often say, how can they show this one? If I showed it out in the street, I'd be arrested. Okay. Obscenity is against the law for adults. For adults. You cannot produce obscene material, you know, distributed. And, oh, you can't do that. But you can for children. You can for children because they call it education. Isn't that lovely? You know? So they had cartoons, right? And it went out all across the country, Playboy, Penthouse, Hustler, then every other magazine, all kinds of magazines. Then we were at the same time because the sex education begins, well, the sex education began in Washington, D.C., in the black community. Yeah, because the black community was very religious, Judeo-Christian, man, they were religious. We had to do something. And they were pilot studying the first sex ed in the black community. And these were cartoons, animal cartoons, animal copulation, and all kind of other things. And the parents were furious. The, I mean, we ha- I got all the old newspapers from the time. Um, parents were furious. They were objecting because their kids were pretty straight. You know, this was 1950, 1958, I want to think. Yeah, something like that. And uh, so their kids were straight, and they said, the parents said, you're, you're sexualizing our children. You're going to sexualize our children. You can't do that. Well, we did it, baby. We did it. Uh, the black community... Kinsey claimed he knew more about black the black community than blacks knew, you know. He did research with uh, Ebony and all that. Well, anyway, 
it's in all, I have all that data in my books. More black women married than white women in the 1950s. More black. Yeah, more black. There was, they were a solid, a solid family structure that was destroyed. Mm -hmm. And now we know, what, 72% of the children are out of wedlock, Mm -hmm. which we used to call uh, illicit, illicit births. Oh, yeah. Illegitimate. That's what it used to be, right? We thought, we'll change the language. It'll make it nicer. People won't. Yeah, well, thank you. You know, from here it went to here. So 72%, I think, are are born out of wedlock with one mother, pretty much, or a grandmother even. I mean, not even necessarily a mother. And no father, which which cripples the boys in one way and cripples the girls in another way. It's really hard. I mean, people come through it, but only only really rare people can 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 come through all that. This is so fascinating because what? you're we're talking about so the black community was targeted. Oh who, yeah, who was a much more solid community. But when I look at Planned Parenthood mm-hmm. and Margaret Sanger. Mm-hmm. Can you can you make a connection there for people? Oh yeah. Well, Margaret Sanger and Alfred Kinsey had the same lawyer. Yeah. Uh, what's her name? Uh, not. Uh, yeah, I forgot her name. It's a woman lawyer. It's a woman. So be happy. It's a woman. Yeah, a woman lawyer. Right. They were the same lawyer, and uh, they were all involved in the same. You know, the same thing. Uh, Kinsey spoke at at Sanger's major porno, um, pornography, Planned Parenthood conference. You know, way back. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, they were very connected, and very connected. We would we would say for the same reasons. Yeah, if you want to destroy people, you know, you go after the father in the family. Use pornography. You must use pornography and you'll wipe the guys out. And when you wipe the guys out, you start wiping that. You're wiping out the women. You're wiping out the women. You're wiping out the protection of the children. Children have no protection, absolutely none. And you've got your teachers in school, those female teachers, thank you very much, that, you know, oh, right, we 33%, that's the latest that I saw, anyway, of our sex offenders in school, sex offenders. Well, you got you got seventeen thousand in school kids who are sexually abusing kids, right? Okay, we talked about that. But as far as the in school abusers, thirty three percent are women. Our women are are you know getting careers. That's all very well and good. That's nice and. What's happening to our families? What's happening to those children's lives? Uh, those children, our children, by being exposed and they're, they're third generation exposure. Uh, the first generation was exposed mildly. All right. The second generation, they were already, you're talking, let's see, 20 years, 20, 20 years. I figured it out. I, I wrote it all. Anyway, in 55, 65, 70, so the 70s. Yeah, 70s, they're already second generation. They are seeing bad stuff, but it's not it's not as bad, but they're sexually, you know, molestation is increased off the charts by the 70s, Yeah. 
And um, by the 80s, 70s, 90s, 90s, is a third generation. Well, well, you're, th okay. And it's fourth generation. Oh, I said, almost, yeah. So Judith, let me ask you, what do, what do, we, what do we do as parents? Well, and don't forget the brains of the human, of the child. Mm -hmm. Can They can't. There's no way they could give informed consent to the stuff they're seeing. There's no way. It's not possible. And you're, you're traumatizing the children unbelievably because the human brain cannot withstand that kind of stimulation. And one of the main things I'd love to point mm -hmm. out, they are inevitably, since, since a sexual scene or sexual words and association are so confusing. The confusion becomes embarrassment. The confusion becomes fear. These kids are experiencing fear and shame, all stuff mixed up, and they're being told, this gets into the transgender issue, they're being told all around them that when they're experiencing bodily sensations, which they don't understand, that that's sexual. It never is in the beginning. Never. No way. It's fear. Now, fear can be felt in the lower echelons of our body. We feel fear. Adrenaline speeding, flight, fight, Flight or fight or the other word, you know, sex, that's it. And these children are seeing things, hearing things that are that adults, grandparents would never have seen or heard. They can't process that. And so they process it the way they are told. They process this fear. They process this shame. They process this anger. They process all this the way they are told. And they are being told everywhere in our mass media, social media, schools, everywhere. They're being told everywhere. And the churches, excuse me, backing down, you know, way down. And lots of stuff is happening in the church. And they're all, they're, they're, look, they're part of the world. Mm -hmm. They've been conditioned like everybody else. They're being told that it's sexual stimuli that they're feeling. And you'll believe it. Mm -hmm. And what happens, you know, when you've got 17,000 kids sexually assaulting, assaulting. I'm not talking just, you know, assaulting other little children. And they'll usually pick the younger ones. The weaker ones. Let's tie that into the transgender then. You oh. Were, you were moving into that. Oh, yeah. The transgender. Oh, I mean, we're talking big pharma. Mm -hmm. We haven't talked big pharma. Yes. We have not talked big pharma. All right. We're talking financial interests. Mm -hmm. All right. In the beginning, all right, when all this was simply causing for the most part, divorces. And this is what I used to write about in the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> when, when it's simply, you know, the income that you, that, that comes out of pornography would be in the divorces, you know, well, then you have 
you have two, you're paying alimony, you're paying psych, you know, uh, psychology, uh, counseling, you're getting two houses or two apartments, you're having to pay for two cars, you're having to pay for, eh, you have to pay, so you're paying out of the wazoo. Okay, that's that was when it was better. Those those were the good times, right? Those were the, I'm being facetious. Mm-hmm. Okay, those were allegedly the good times. Then the pornography is increasing. It's reaching more and more people. It's not so much the um, it's not so much the divorces as it becomes the venereal diseases. Venereal diseases. Oh, okay. Who makes money from that? Big Pharma makes a fortune from that. Well, Big Pharma makes a fortune from, okay, um, abortion, of course. I mean, naturally they make a fortune. I mean, all of the medical facilities and everything else, all the, the drugs and, you know. So Big Pharma's getting involved, very much involved in the pornography, in the support. Uh, and, of course, a through all of this is the Rockefeller Foundation. The Rockefeller Foundation weaves itself, you know. And then others, other foundations join. Now we have Gates, of course, now. Soros, the Soros Foundation, the Gates Foundation, or Soros, whatever they call it. I don't know what they call the foundation. Oh, man, they were big in, 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 in um, Croatia when I was there. They were, Soros was bringing in the pedophiles into Croatia. Oh, my goodness. Okay, uh, we won in Croatia on sex ed, by the way. We should know there was a nice victory. And I don't want to forget to say this, that I also won against Playboy. Playboy sued me in the Netherlands. Sued me in the Netherlands. Well, why would you sue in the Netherlands? Why not sue here? You know, because I said, which I say all the time here, Playboy was in, in the 1990s the number one child pornographer the number one incest pusher, the number one everything else. You know, I said that there in the Netherlands. And they sued in the Netherlands because it's open sesame in the Netherlands. My goodness, you know, the, everything. And the judge ruled in my favor. He said, no, she proved it. There it is. There are the pictures. She sent the with the pages and the page numbers. Everything is documented. So you sue her in the United States because they objected. They said, you, you know, that was a bad ruling. So sue her in the United States. You have plenty of resources in the United States. They would never sue me in the United States. They would expose that. Yeah. Even today, when sometimes when when victims or or offenders see some of the imagery, some of read some of the material that they've they believed and they see where it all came from. Outrage. We saw that on the Donahue show. They were outraged. They saw that one table and they said, what? Outrage. Yeah, they would never do it. You know, one of the things that Judith said that echoes what Audrey Werner was talking about. Mm -hmm. If you go back and listen to her interview and where she talks about, um, Morality being a national security issue. Yes. And what Judith was talking about is how pornography wipes out the men. Mm-hmm. And w- I made notes on that on why is it, what does that mean that it wipes out the men? Well, number one, 
men are supposed to be the protectors. And why would a man want to protect his wife, his children, when they're nothing but objects, mm. right? When when he has lost that reverence for his role as a father in the image of uh, Christ as the head of the family and being the protector of his family. And if he is, if he has lost his moral compass, then he doesn't know even which way to hold the spear, right? Mm. And so that's one of the reasons. Number one is um, there's there's no morality that can be modeled for the wife and the children when he's compromised. Mm -hmm. If you're using porn, if you're listening to this, if you're using porn and you know who you are, you have got to stop. You have got to get yourself accountable because you are compromised. You have, you're, you, you think that you're in the battle, but you're wearing no armor. Right. So men, you've got to get yourself start by getting on your knees and asking the Lord to help you because that is the only way that you're going to get free of this. It is an addiction that is destroying you. Well, thank you guys for sticking around to the end. If you've missed any parts of this interview with Dr. Reisman, you'll want to be sure to visit the archives at fearlessfeatures.org. It's also where you can make that one-time or monthly donation to our filmmaking ministry, Fearless Features. We need your help. When you give, you become a force multiplier for truth and action. Together, we can make a difference in our communities and stand strong for biblical truths and values. Your support will continue making an impact for generations when you partner with us through this filmmaking ministry. Thank you so much for your consideration. Have a wonderfully blessed day, my friends, and thank you again for joining us on this beautiful day. We'll talk to you again soon.